I personally cannot stand the horror genre. And I, that's just my preference. I, I know there's a lot of people that enjoy the suspense of it, but I myself, I cannot watch horror movies, particularly if there's a, if it's demonic or satanic. It just bothers me and I cannot stand it. It's hard for me to watch, so I just avoid it. But this story out of Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, you could say would be right out of a horror flick. Except, except that there's actually no drama here. It wouldn't make a very good story. We've got a scary, scary scene, but Jesus shows up and bang, without any drama, he completely wins the day. He shows that he is not just the most powerful, he is all powerful. You know, you could, uh, you know, like the most powerful, who's the most powerful uh, comic book character, superhero, maybe Superman, you could say. I mean, Superman, uh, I mean, it's just ridiculous how powerful he is. And yet he has weaknesses, yet he's finite. He can't be all places at all times. There's ways that he can be maneuver, maneuvered around. He's got weaknesses, I think I already mentioned. But Jesus, God, he's not just the most powerful. He is all powerful. God shows up and things just happen. Now, if you haven't read the passage yet, please pause the video and read uh, Mark 5 verses 1 through 20. And there's just some things I wanted to highlight as we get into it this week. Let me just read a handful of verses here. Uh, verses 2 through 5, it says, and Jesus had, When Jesus had stepped out of the boat, and don't forget, they just crossed over the Sea of Galilee. They went from the Jewish, Jewish side of the lake to the Gentile side of the lake. So they're, 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 they're leaving the J Jewish culture. This is an intentional thing. Jesus is making a statement. Mark's making it clear that the message of the gospel, the arrival of the kingdom of God, repent and believe in the gospel, isn't just a message for the Jewish people. It's a message for the world. God is beginning to fulfill the promise that he made to Abraham that, that through Abraham, God would bless the entire world, talking about Jesus in the gospel. So he got off the boat, and immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackle in pieces, and no one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. I mean, it is hard to imagine how scary that must have been to live in that area and know about this guy that lives in the cemetery. I mean, wow, that is crazy. But one of the things that I just love about this is I think this guy is representative of what's true in every single person's life, that before Jesus, we are enslaved to another power. Remember, we've talked about how the, when Jesus is arriving, the kingdom of God is at hand. His kingdom is coming. You know, there is already a king of this world, and his name is Satan. He is ruling this world. And we are all either serving and following him, or we are serving and following Jesus. But just like this man, we can be completely, before Jesus, enslaved to that other kingdom. And that's my first point, is that the power of Jesus is what frees us. You know, it describes in the text that there were uh, 2,000 some demons, perhaps, that were in this guy. He called himself Legion because there were many. That's a Roman term for a, a, a group of 
1,000 to 7,000 men within the, the Roman legion. Um, uh, so there's tons and tons of demons. And again, like I said before, Jesus doesn't have to wrestle with him. He doesn't have to outmaneuver or strategize. He just commands him to come out, and it just happens. It reminds me of the story of Armageddon in Revelation. It's the most uh, you know, non-dramatic battle, ultimate epic battle, battle of, of all the ages. And, and basically, Jesus just shows up, and that's it. That's the kind of power that Jesus has. A uh, couple of things that I want to make note of, though, first of all, is like, what is this, this mysterious idea? There's kind of this hint at, uh, in verse 10, he says, and he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. And that just kind of makes me wonder about, okay, what is going on there? Is there some kind of special holding cell that, or, or place that Jesus could send these demons that, that, you know, like they can't get out of, that they're stuck in? And there's, there's kind of a hint of that in Jude, verse 6. It says, And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. We don't get a lot of information about this, but this seems to be this hint of, of like basically a demon jail that God can put these guys in. Um, and so again, just highlighting that there is this whole world, spiritual world that we don't necessarily get to see or have an idea about. We get little clues and, and hints into it. But bottom line, Jesus is in complete control. They can't do anything outside of what he allows them to do. And then the second thing that I think is, is, is kind of an interesting question is, why in the world does he send them into these pigs? You know, they, they beg him not to send them out of this region. They say, hey, can we go into those pigs? And Jesus says, okay. And they go to the pigs. It says there's 2,000 pigs. And they all squealing start running down the hill and all get drowned in the Sea of Galilee. And that must have been quite a scene. All the herdsmen, they witnessed this. And then they ran to the town and the surrounding areas to tell people what had happened. And there's different uh, theories you might have on why it is, but most of the commentaries that I read, and I think this is a good theory, is that this is a way that Jesus is proving to the people that are there that something actually did come out of this guy because we can't see with our regular eyes the spiritual world. You know, you've got to have uh, the ability, like God, who's a spirit, to be able to see the spirit world. And so, they could have come out of him, but you know, you're not going to see anything except for a changed life. But Jesus made it very, very clear to that community that something evil left this man and went into these other animals. And of course, unfortunately, they all died, but, but it was all an incredible, amazing testimony. Next verse, verse 15, he says, And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion, sitting there clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. The second point I want to say is that the power of Jesus is what restores us. He frees us, and he's the one that restores us. Complete and total restoration. This guy has been rescued from unbelievable torment. And now he's fully restored. And that is the hope of the power of God. And I think that's an incredible encouragement for us. And then Mark uh, 18 through 20, and it says, And he was getting into the boat. The man who had been possessed with demons begged him, meaning Jesus, 
that he might be with him. In other words, this guy's life's been changed. He wants to start following Jesus. It makes sense. Verse 19, And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And and to me, I feel like this is such a great reminder to us that we can't be with Jesus today. He wants us to be with the people around us. That's what he's called. You know, he told his disciples, uh, just as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. We long to be with Jesus. We long to be fully in rest and, and out of the difficulties of this world. But Jesus has us to, to for a time, to be on mission for him. And that's what he wants us to do. Uh, let's see, I went back. Verse 20, and he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. And it's the power of Jesus that is our testimony. The power of Jesus is our testimony. Guys, what Jesus has done in our lives is the power that we share with other people. It's not what we've accomplished. We haven't followed some kind of system or or, or read a, a self-help book or changed our lifestyle in some kind of way that's reformed who we are. We haven't figured out the secret to life or you know some kind of method that it's fixed things. Guys, it is simply Jesus that has changed our life. And the more that Jesus is ruling my life, the more he changes of my life and the more his power is a testimony to other people. And that's the story here this, with this man, is that he, his changed life is a testimony to that community in that region. And so how amazing was it that this guy's, he was so well known in that community as this horror story. And then Jesus comes in and completely rescues him that story gets affirmed by all the herdsmen that witnessed it, all the people that came back and saw, hey, isn't that the guy that used to run around naked, cutting himself and screaming that couldn't be chained up? Now he's completely lucid and normal and he's, he's interacting like everybody else, but he's got a story to tell about what Jesus has done for him. And then who knows how much longer, a few years later, uh, the, the Christians started spreading the good news after the Holy Spirit came and you know, Jesus ascended. And the good news probably came to that community just like it was spreading throughout the whole world. And all those people now could understand who Jesus was, what he did for this man, and what he can do for you and what he has done for me and all the other people that have started to follow him. I would encourage you guys to remember that he has all power. He can accomplish everything and he can restore us. He frees us, he restores us, and he is our testimony.